Hi there, and welcome to Sounds from the Collywobbles Theater Company podcast. I am Carol Catherine, the founder and director of the company. And the folks that are going to be participating with us today include Jason, Steve, Pam, Char, myself, and Lucia. We are going to be performing The Hitchhiker from the series Suspense. And it was first performed in September of 1942. So join us with this scary version of The Hitchhiker. The Collywobbles Broadcasting System takes pleasure in bringing you Suspense. Suspense was originally from Columbia's Parade of Outstanding Thrillers, produced and directed by William Spire and scored by Bernard Herrmann. The notable melodramas from stage and screen, fiction and radio, presented each week to bring you to the edge of your chair to keep you in suspense. Good evening, this is Orson Welles, and very happy I am to be back in the United States and back on the Columbia Network, even for so short a visit as this one, back with old friends like Johnny Dietz, who's tonight's director, and Bernard Herrmann. The Mercury Theatre presented tonight's radio play for the first time last year. We came right out then and hailed it as the classic of the medium. Nobody argued the point. A lot of people asked us to do it again, so it's gratifying to get the chance now and to find a favorite of ours in this distinguished anthology of spook shows. Personally, I've never met anyone who didn't like a good ghost story. But I know a lot of people who think there are a lot of people who don't like a good ghost story. For the benefit of these, at least, I go on record at the outset of this evening's entertainment with a sober assurance that although blood may be curdled on this program, none will be spilt. There's no shooting, knifing, throttling, axing, or poisoning here. No clanky chains, no cobwebs. No bony and or hairy hands appearing from secret panels, or, better yet, bedroom curtains. If it's any part of that dear old phosphorescent foolishness that people who don't like ghost stories don't like, then, again, I promise you, we haven't got it. Not tonight. What we do have is a thriller. If it's half as good as we think it is, you can call it a shocker. It's already been called a real Orson Welles story. Now, frankly, I don't know what this means. I've been on the air directing and acting in my own shows for quite a while now, and I don't suppose I've done more than a half a dozen thrillers in all that time. Honestly, I don't think even that many. But it seems I do have a reputation for the uncanny... Quite possibly a little escapade of mine involving a couple of planets which shall be nameless is responsible. Doesn't really matter. Don't think I disapprove of thrillers, I don't. A story doesn't have to appeal to the heart, it can also appeal to the spine. Sometimes you want the heart to be warmed, and sometimes you want your spine to tingle. The tingling, it is to be hoped, will be quite audible as you listen tonight to The Hitchhiker. That is the name of our story, The Hitchhiker. I'm in a trailer camp on I-40. 
just west of Gallup, New Mexico. If I tell it, maybe it'll help me. It'll, it'll keep me from going crazy. I must tell this quickly. I'm not crazy now. I feel perfectly well, perfectly well, except that I'm running a slight temperature. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age, unmarried, tall, dark, with a black mustache. I drive a 1978 Ford, license number 6V7989. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know I'm at this moment. I'm perfectly sane. That's that it's not me that's gone mad, but something else, something utterly beyond my control. But I must speak quickly. At any minute, the link with my life may break. This may be the last time I ever tell on earth, the last night I ever see the stars. Six days ago, I left Brooklyn to drive to California. Well, goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy. Goodbye, mom. Here, give me a kiss and then I'll go. I'll come with you out to the car. Oh, it's raining. Stay here at the door. Uh, uh, hey, what's this? Tears? Oh, it's... It's just a trip, Ron. I wish you weren't driving. Oh, Mom, there you go again. People do it every day. I know, but but you'll be careful, won't you? Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep or drive fast or pick up any strangers on the road. Stranger? Look, don't worry. There isn't anything going to happen. It's just eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads with a hot dog or a hamburger stand every 10 miles. Now don't worry. Bye. I was an excellent spirit. The drive ahead of me, even the loneliness, seemed like a lark. But I didn't count on him. Crossing Brooklyn Bridge that morning, in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the cables. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled down over his eyes. Now, I would have forgotten him completely, except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb pointing west. I couldn't figure out how he got there, but I thought maybe a fast truck had picked him up, beaten me to the Skyway and let him off. I didn't stop for him. And then late that night, I saw him again. It was on the new Pennsylvania Turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I, I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him, standing there under an arc light by the side of the road, I could see him quite distinctly. The bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain spattered over his shoulders. He hallowed at me this time. Hello! Hello! I stepped on the gas like a shot. It's lonely country through the Alleghenies, and I had no intention of stopping. Besides, the coincidences, or whatever it was, gave me the willies. 
I stopped at the next gas station. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Uh, fill her up, will you? Uh, check your oil? No, thanks. No. Okay, well, let me get the gas cap here. <sighs> nice night, ain't it? Yes. It, it hasn't been raining here lately, has it? Ah, oh, not a drop of rain all week. Oh? Oh, no? I suppose that hasn't done your business any harm. Eh, people drive through here all kinds of weather. Mostly business, though. Ain't many pleasure cars out on the turnpike this season of the year. <laughs> I I guess not. What a... Uh, what, what about hitchhikers? <laughs> hitchhikers? Here? What's the matter? Don't you see any? Oh, a guy'd be a fool who'd started out to hitch rides on this road. I'd just look at it. You mean... Then you've never seen anybody? No. I, I mean, maybe they get the lift before the turnpike starts. I, I, I mean, you know, just before the toll house. But then it's a pretty long ride. I mean, most cars wouldn't want to pick up a guy for that long a ride. And this is pretty lonesome country here, mountains and woods. You ain't seen nobody like that, have you? Oh, no. Oh, no, not, not at all. I was just uh, uh, a technical question. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, well, uh, that'll be uh, twenty-four forty-nine with the tax, sir. The thing gradually passed from my mind as a sheer coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man all next day until, just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It was a bright, sunshiny afternoon. The peaceful Ohio fields brown with the autumn stubble lay dreaming in the golden light. I was driving slowly, drinking it all in, when the road suddenly ended in a detour. In front of the barrier, he was standing. Let me explain about his appearance before I go on. I repeat, there was nothing sinister about him. He was drab as a mud fence, nor was his attitude menacing. He, he just stood there, waiting, almost drooping a little, like the, the cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours. And he hailed me, started to walk forward. Hello? I had stopped the car, of course, for the detour. For a few minutes, I, I couldn't seem to find the new road. I realized he must be thinking I'd stopped for him. Hello? No, not just now, sorry. Uh, going to California? No, no, not today. I'm, I'm going to New York. Sorry. Sorry. After I got the car back on the road again, I felt like a fool. Yet the thought of picking him up, of having him sit beside me, was somehow unbearable. Yet at the same time, I felt, more than ever, unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by. The fields, the towns, ticked off one by one. The light changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. What is it? What do you want? You sell sandwiches and pop here, don't you? Yeah, we do in the daytime, but we're closed for the night. Well, I know, but 
I was wondering if you could possibly let me have a, a cup of coffee, black coffee. My mom's the cook. She's in bed. Well, now, listen, just a minute ago, just a minute ago, there was a man standing here right beside this here, uh, a suspicious looking man. Mary? Who is it, Mary? It's nobody, Mother, just a fellow who thinks he wants a cup of coffee. Go back to bed. I, I don't mean to disturb you. You see, I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was. What was he doing? Oh, you've been hitting the bottle. That's what's the matter with you. Got nothing better to do than wake decent people out of their hard-earned sleep. What have you been doing? Get going. Get on. Well, it looked as if he was going to rob you. I got nothing to stand to lose. Now, on your way before I call Sheriff Paul. I got into the car again and drove on slowly. I was beginning to hate the car. If I could have found a place to rest a little. I was in the Ozark Mountains of, the, of Missouri now. The few resort places there were closed. I had seen him at that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again. Maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew then that when I saw him next, I would run him down. But I didn't see him again until late next afternoon. I'd stopped the car at a sleepy little junction just across the border into Oklahoma to let a train pass. When he appeared across the tracks, leaning against a telephone pole. It was a perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun. Yet there were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't even look up at me. He was staring at the ground. I stepped on the gas hard, veering the wheel sharply toward him. I moved the train at distance now, but I didn't care. Then something, something went wrong with the car. It stalled right on the tracks. The train was coming closer. I, I could hear its bell, its, its cry. It's whistle crying. Still he stood there. Now I knew that he was beckoning, beckoning me to my death. Well, I frustrated him that time. It started. It worked. At last, I managed to back up. But after, when the train passed, he, he was gone. And I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on, I mustn't let myself alone on the road for one minute. Uh, hello there. Hello. Like a ride? Well, what do you think? How far are you going? Amarillo. I'll take you to Amarillo. Amarillo, Texas? Yeah, I'll drive you there. Gee. Hop in. Um, you mind if I take off my shoes? My feet are killing me. No, go right ahead. Oh, gee, what a break this is. Great car, decent guy, driving all the way to Amarillo. All I've been getting so far is trucks. You hitchhike much? Sure. Only it's tough sometimes in these great open spaces to get the brakes. Yeah, I should think it would be. But I'll bet, though, 
you get a good pickup and a fast car, you could get places faster than, say, another person in another car. I don't get you. Well, take me, for instance. Suppose I'm, I'm driving across the country, say, at a nice steady clip, about 65 miles an hour. Couldn't, couldn't a girl like you, just standing beside the road waiting for a lift, beat me to town after town, provided she got picked up every time in a car doing from 75 to 80 miles an hour? I don't know. Maybe she could. Maybe she couldn't. What difference does it make? Oh, it's no difference. It's, it's just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car. Oh, imagine spending your time in a great car thinking of things like that. What would you do instead? What would I do? Well, if I was a good-looking fellow like yourself, I'd just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and, and relax. And if I saw a good-looking... <gasps> hey! Did you see him? Did you see him too? See who? That man standing there beside the barbed wire fence. I didn't see anybody i it's it's just a barbed wire fence what do you think he was doing trying to run into the barbed wire there, fence? there, there was a man there i tell you a thin gray man with with an overnight bag in his hand I, I was trying to run him down run him down you mean kill him you mean you didn't see him back there you sure i didn't see a soul and as far as that's concerned well you keep watch for him you watch for him in the next time keep watching keep your eyes peeled on the road he'll turn up again maybe any minute now there! Right there! Uh, no! Wait, how does this door work? I, I've got to get out of here! Did you see him that time? No, I didn't see him that time. And personally, mister, I don't expect never to see him. All I want to do is go on living. I don't see how I will for very long driving with you. Look, 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 look I'm sorry. I, I don't know what came over me. Please. No, if you'll excuse me. You can't go. Listen, how would you like to go to California? I'll drive you all the way to California. You're creeping me out, man. Listen, please, just, just one minute, please. You know what I think you need, man? Not a girlfriend, just a good dose of sleep. Leave your hands off of me. Just, just leave your hands off of me. Come back here, please, please come back. She ran from me as if I were some kind of monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up. And then I knew then that I was utterly alone. I was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after that truck went by. I tried to figure out what to do, how to get a hold of myself. If I could find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car, just a few hours along the side of the road. I was getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket when I saw him coming toward me emerging from the herd of moving steer. Hello! I didn't wait for him to come any closer. Hello! Maybe I should have spoken to him then, fought it out, then and there. And now he began to be everywhere, wherever I stopped, even for a minute, for gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, sandwich, he was there. I saw him standing outside the trailer camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. He was standing near the drinking fountain of a little camping spot just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo reservation where I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque when I bought more gas. I, I was afraid now, afraid to stop. I began to drive faster and faster. I was in a lunar landscape now. 
the great arid mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. And now he didn't even wait for me to stop. Unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over those endless roads, he waited for me at every other mile. I'd see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me, still in the same attitude over the cold, lifeless ground, flitting over dried up rivers, over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals, flitting in that pure, cloudless air. I was beside myself when I finally reached Gallup, New Mexico this morning. There's a trailer camp here. It's cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone. I had the feeling that if only I could speak to someone familiar, someone I loved, I could pull myself together. It was in the middle of the morning. I, 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 I knew Mother'd be home. I pictured her tall and white-haired in her crisp house dress, going about her tasks. It'd be enough, I thought, just to hear the even calmness of her voice. Mrs. Adams, resident. Hello. Hello, Mother. This is Mrs. Adams, residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please? What? Who is this? This is Mrs. Whitney. Mrs. Whitney? I, I don't know any Mrs. Whitney. Is this 7489970? Yes. Where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? Mrs. Adams is not home. She's still in the hospital. The hospital? Yes. Who... Is this calling, please? Is this a member of the family? What's she in the hospital for? She's been resting for five days, a nervous breakdown. Who is this calling? Nervous breakdown? My mother doesn't have a... It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Ronald. Death of her oldest son, Ronald? What's this? What number is this? This is 7489970. It's all been very sudden. He was killed six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge. And so I'm sitting here in this deserted trailer camp in Gallup, New Mexico. And so I'm trying to think, trying to get a hold of myself. Otherwise, otherwise I am going to go crazy. Outside, it's night. The vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa and mountains, prairies, desert. Somewhere among them, he's waiting for me. Somewhere, somewhere I will know who he is and who I am. So ends The Hitchhiker. And to Orson Welles, our considerable thanks. Mr. Welles? Help wanted, men, women, and children. Nature of work, hard, monotonous, back-breaking labor. Hours, 75 a week, minimum. Pay, few cents an hour. Added inducement, two meals a day, including several ounces of bad bread and a cup of thin soup. Don't delay, apply at once. How do you respond to a want ad like that, Mr. and Mrs. American working man and woman? <laughs> You'd laugh, wouldn't you? 
and throw the paper in the trash basket. Dismiss the whole advertisement as some kind of joke. But believe me, it's no joke. It's a simple statement of the working conditions that exist today in Nazi Germany and the conquered countries under Nazi rule. It's also an exact statement of the working conditions that will be imposed on you and every member of your family if the Nazis win this war. You yourself personally can stop them from winning, as you know. You don't have to give up your well-paid job to do it. You needn't have to be a soldier or a sailor or an airman or a nurse or, or a war worker to ensure American victory. Uncle Sam doesn't ask plain, ordinary, hard-working citizens like you to give him anything. All he asks, all this he does ask, very seriously and very urgently, is that you loan him ten cents out of every dollar you make. That's all there is to it. Lend Uncle Sam a dime to win this war, and he'll pay you back with interest when he's won it. The easiest, most convenient way to lend him these dimes is to enroll in the payroll savings plan. Just tell your boss to deduct ten cents from every dollar he pays you and lend it to Uncle Sam in your name. Sign up for the simple savings plan today, and when victory comes, you'll have war bonds in your pockets, instead of Axis bonds on your wrists. Suspense has been originally produced and directed by William Spire. John Dietz was the original guest director, uh, and the radio drama was written by Lucille Fletcher. The original score was by Bernard Herman. Our presentation has been... The Collie Wobbles Broadcasting System. Good night. Thanks for listening to the sounds from the Collie Wobbles Theater Company and our version of The Hitchhiker, featured on this show, Suspense, back in September of 1942. The ad at the end for the war bonds came right from the script, and Jason did a great job playing Orson Welles. Jason also played the gas station attendant. Steve played Ronald. Pam played his mother, Lucia played the nurse that answers the phone, and Char plays the storekeeper. I am Carol Catherine, and I played the woman hitchhiker, and I was the editor, director, and founder of Polly Wobbles Theater Company. We'll see you next time. Thanks again. <laughs>